Jason Andrews. This is Paranormal Patio. Welcome to Hair Raising Horror Week. <laughs> magic is something that could definitely be real i think it could be elemental it has to do with maybe the earth i i do believe there are people that that use magic as part of their daily lives and i believe in stevie nicks i think with the twirl of a scarf anything can happen and i i'm into it sign me up i'd love to learn more Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I don't get to talk about that a lot, um, even though I'm a practicing witch. So it's kind of rude that nobody ever asked me what I think. Magic to me is just, oh uh, gosh, <laughs> it's a lot of things. And, you know, I'm probably going to romanticize it a little bit. Um, so a- as a as an eclectic witch, um, I, I practice magic. And, and when I say that, what I mean is I practice the law of attraction and, and manifestation. I can't tell you the science behind it. I don't know how it works. All I can tell you is is that it works. You know, magic is a couple of things. You know, it's that uh, that kind of, <laughs> I guess, butterflies in the gut feeling that you get whenever you know you're you're hit with a big synchronicity or when you're just at the absolute right place at the right time. You know, to capture something strange or you just kind of know. I mean, there's like a sense of knowing and nothing can challenge that sense of knowing. It it just exists (laughs) all the way from your core and and radiates all the way out, you know, but I think it's very real. And uh, that's, that's the science that I want to prove. That's the science I want to discover, because I think that there's something to it. And we're just scientifically missing something. I believe in magic in the form of intention and belief i think that you can hold sway over someone and you can make them believe what you want and that's to me a form of magic now i can't always make a quarter pop out from behind anyone's ear but i do believe that i can make you believe that i did i i frequently do such illusions with with my children and anytime they are looking for a trinket or something that they've lost, they'll often say, Daddy, will you check my ear to see if it's there? Sometimes if I find it close by, I will make it appear. And that magic is real to them in their hearts for certain. Now, the power of suggestion is certainly a bit of magic that there's no reason that one person should make all these other people believe what you have to say and send in your money every Every week, send me your paychecks, all of that. That's to me, that's that is a a form of magic and doing things with the intent. You get whatever is in your heart. If it's evil, then all your evil wishes get granted. If it's for good, then you have peaceful times. And I think that just the power of intent and what you set out about to do can have it you know there's there's the whole pma positive mental attitude have that you know think good thoughts and good things happen i i do kind of subscribe to that you know in in a way thinking negative thoughts you know if everyone you meet during the day is a jerk well you know maybe you're the jerk maybe that's how that is and it's i feel the same way if you're looking at everything 
and your success is inside you and you're you're envisioning all right this is what's going to happen i'm going to do this and this is what it will be and you follow through which is another key component to it intent and follow through i think that is a form of magic even on something as simple as i'm going to make the best turkey sandwich i've ever had today and you do it and you mean it and you follow through then you're going to enjoy it and that is a joy and a satisfaction that you're creating inside yourself that no one else is going to feel but you feel it and you've made you've made that happen and i i believe in magic in pure forms that way it's not necessarily a flick of a magic wand i believe it's an intent and follow through i definitely believe that magic exists I think that magic is a wave, man. <laughs> I think that um I think that so I think it's it's like a little sciency because like you get taught in biology class that we're all vibrating atoms, right? Like we're all like made up of these like vibrating pieces. And so, you know, people always talk about like, oh, do crystals like do anything? But it's like don't do anything. They exist. They vibe there. And that vibe exists on a wavelength, right? Like same with humans. We like, I think that we exist on many wavelengths and can tap in to other wavelengths because we got the smart brains and we can figure stuff out. So I think that magic is just like tapping into those like energy waves. I think that it's vibing with the planets in a really big way. I 100% feel the pull of the planets. I mean, we are recording this with Mercury retrograde and we have had so many technical difficulties, which is just classic and on par. And so I'm just, I'm a big believer in, you know, I mean, the we know for a fact and we see it with our eyes that the moon controls the ocean and the tides. So the planets absolutely have an effect on this world, whether you feel it or you don't. So I just feel like magic is tapping into those like different wavelengths and energy fields and being able to learn how to manipulate them and become one with them, man. (laughs) Man, when I think about what magic is, definitely um, because of the research and because of where the Penny Royal Mysteries led us, for me, magic is definitely it definitely involves, you know, second order cybernetics right and uh this this idea of feedback loops right i think i think that's the thing you know we we always say second order cybernetics but really what we're talking about is feedback loops we're talking about synchronicities and coincidences meaningful coincidences right and the stacking of synchronicities people distinguish between magic ceremonial magic and chaos magic right I think for me, I'm not a, I'm not a magician. I'm not a practicing magician. Um, definitely, I research a lot of magic, but I think when I've looked at sort of all of the genres of magic, right, the categories of magic that exist, for me, the the idea of the chaos magician, right, the the person who is an observer who's looking at reality who's attempting to shift the odds in their favor through certain ritualistic and observational practices. That, for me, is what I think I've started to interpret magic as. 
magic to me is the opportunity to utilize and create the reality that you want through mystical means. So maybe a really easy way to say this is, is magic is a petition to divinity. So it's a petition to divinity or whatever it is you're seeking or wishing for in the world around you or for those around you. Do I believe in magic? 100% absolutely. I have used it. I've seen other people use it. I have seen the results happen. You know, I've seen people use magic with different terminology and seen it work. Everything from thoughts and prayers to the old law of attraction, you know, fake it till you make it mentality. I've seen it work. It really works. I, I even believe that people that have mantras that they repeat to themselves, like Jack Smiley from Saturday Night Live, I mean, after a while, if you keep telling yourself you're good enough and smart enough, and people like you, I believe that's a petition to divinity. That's magic. You're using your voice as the, the magical instrument. So yeah, magic is, is the real is the real thing. Magic. Yes. Um, quick answers a, on, on which I plan to elaborate. Magic, to me is any use of the will to try to affect reality. I didn't coin that myself, but um, needless to say. But yes, anytime you try to use the power of your will, which isn't exactly your mind, but isn't not your mind, but you try to use your will to affect reality, you are in effect performing magic. And do I believe that it exists and is effective? Absolutely. I guess I do believe in magic more than I think. To, as far as magic is concerned, what interests me, definitely tarot. I'm I'm very into the healing powers of crystals, and I do believe that the earth provides us with things that can heal us. And I find that very interesting. I do I do think the moon affects us, and it definitely affects me. Where most people get nuts during a full moon, I lose my shit when the moon is gone for some reason. So when it's a new moon, I always can tell. And I just think that's very fascinating. I have given lots of thought into looking at uh, left-hand path magic and I've, I, I will occasionally do tarot spreads for myself and try to interpret those. And I am lacking in the follow through department of my own intent it's because it's a thing that I, I don't fully understand and I want to, but it's, it's a lot of studying that I feel like I need to do. And I know there are people out there who, who do make it accessible uh, and who have recently released books and things that I have come this close to pulling the trigger on and, and purchasing because I am very interested in it. So while I can't say that I am currently, as of this moment, a, a magical practitioner, it is something that is definitely at the top of my my interest 
as far as changing behaviors and and going about and learning the practices. I am very interested in it, but just haven't understood where exactly to get started. Of course, the magical path, you know, changes over the years. I've been a magical practitioner for so long so currently, I'm really into exploring poisons. Um, I'm really into exploring like poisonous plants and things like that. Not like Clorox and like <laughs> that kind of poisons, like natural poisons. <laughs> um, and just like and how like we look at darkness and how beneficial darkness is to us as like humans in a society and how that plays into magic is like really where I'm at right now. And yeah, poison comes into it be, in, a, in a big way, in like a flying ointment kind of a way, in a really specific. I've been playing around with using flying ointments in different ways uh, for astral travel and like different things like that. So that's really where like the poisons have been coming in currently. But I have a bunch of books that I'm in the midst of and such. <laughs> I do practice magic, but probably in a much more gentle way now. And by that, I mean, I feel like, first of all, I should say that I consider myself an eclectic witch. Sometimes I'll call myself a bookworm witch because I just love reading about witchy things and magic and witchcraft. And you can see the books behind me. <laughs> like I love collecting things. Yeah. Sometimes I call myself a hedge witch because I do feel like I'm constantly treading this pathway that, that divides our world with the other and that I've always got one foot here and one foot there. Sometimes I call myself a starseed witch because I feel like my magic, you know, is a petition to something cosmic, something above and beyond, something from a different dimension, something that, you know, doesn't need a physical body or something that's way more advanced. Perhaps when I started doing magic, I did it in a more traditional way where, you know, um, I had the right herbal ingredient and the right colored candle and the right essential oil. And I still absolutely love those things. But now I've found that as I, you know, sort of, and I've been practicing, you know, all of these, these sort of activities for a very long time at this point. But I find that the most powerful magic that any practitioner can perform comes from the thing that they're most passionate about at the moment. And right now for me, it's learning how to be more artistic. And so I find a lot of times my journal has become a um, canvas of magic. So each page will be its own little magical spell. Quick answer, no. Um, not in any systematic or ritualistic way. I have read, particularly about the Kabbalah, but it applies to just about everything, that you should be in a good state of mind yourself before undertaking magical studies and I suffer from severe PTSD I have had excellent treatment and I I'm good day to day but I don't feel that I am cut out for going deep into magical studies 
I believe magic has gotten a bad rap. I think that it's been a part of our... It's been a part of our humanity since the beginning. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think people who practice this are just doing something different. If we if we backdate magic and magical practices and ritual and uh, things like that, you know, I would say that magic wasn't really demonized until about the last, I'd say, five or six hundred years, right? And that's you know basically when the uh, when the Puritans <laughs> came along and and decided that they were just going to suck all the fun out of everything. But but predating that, I mean, humans are a lot older than that. We have a stronger relationship with magic in the course of our whole life compared to just the last, we'll just say, five hundred years, just to make it easy. I think that something happened. I don't know what exactly. I think that something might have happened uh, all those many years ago that shifted the idea of magic. I think that we are finally getting back in touch with that now. And so we're kind of going through this overall shift in humanity with our relationship with quote unquote magic. But I don't think that there's anything that we're keeping at bay necessarily. Uh, You know, I don't think that there's really stronger forces that we don't understand. I mean, I think there is a lot of power and focusing on the negative. You know, of course, you can use magic to gain things at an advantage negatively, you know, but I think that that is just a person to person personal experience that (laughs) that we all have to kind of go through and walk our own path with. I think that with magical practices and any sort of occult learning, you still get kind of a pushback even today, you know, I recently began reading my own tarot spreads and I would send out some of my Snapchat streaks because I am a basic 14 year old girl. I would I sent that to a few people. Oh, my tarot spread for the day. And I would have a few people, you know, they would send me messages back and like, what are you doing? Oh, my goodness. What is this? Ah, and like freaking out. And I'm like, it's bro, like you, you literally have a Sagittarius sign at your desk. Like it's the same thing. Like, don't, don't freak out. Like you're, you're, you're looking at this as this evil and it's, it's, it's like, it's not, it's not that. And there's, there is a lot of negativity. It's definitely been maligned, you know, over the years, but I also think that it's more acceptable these days than it, than it ever had been. I do think that some things are still, you know, portrayed in a negative light, such as a Ouija board. I I personally don't have the the fear and the negative stigma of a a Ouija board that that a lot of people would ascribe to it, that that Hollywood has attached to it. There's such a stigma with it, but yet people would try any any other thing to do divining work or, you know, it's, it's literally the same thing as a magic eight ball to me. It's just a, another tool for divining, you know, a, a, a greater answer. That's, you know, even if you're moving it yourself subconsciously, you're getting that answer from within. If it's not you, then do your proper procedures, you know, proceed with the proper intent, close out your session normally. And you're, I think you're fine. But again, at the same time, 
if you're shaking a magic eight ball, hoping for a magical answer, you know, and you don't end that with saying, should I go to the movies today? You know, results hazy. Nobody ends a session using a magic eight ball, but everyone is up in arms and terrified of a Ouija board. And it's essentially a motorcycle compared to a car. It's it's you're going down the same street. This is a really interesting question. I have no beef with the satanic panic. I have more beef with reefer madness than I have with satanic panic. I think that we can see what the world becomes when things like witchcraft go mainstream because it's on TikTok and it is mainstream. (laughs) And it becomes a lot of really young people gatekeeping others for no reason. It becomes like a ego battle instead of like a magic battle. So I think if I think if humans weren't looking for a fast solution to everything, and I think a lot of people get into magic hoping that that's what it's going to be, I think that we could be really different about it. But as long as we are just looking for a fast acting solution to debt relief, like courage, like I don't know, whatever you want magic for, then, you know, I, I think it's just best left to the weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> Mia, the Mia. Re- rephrase the question. Yeah. So, in terms of the suppression of magic, you know, have have people suppressed magic out of necessity, or is magic that's something that's been demonized right over the centuries? I think I think for the most part, it is a demonization of magic right that it's not so much that that magic has been kept in check so that humans don't discover the secrets of the universe right i don't think it's that because i think those secrets and those keys are sort of always available to us once we start going down the path to encounter them right and and begin to use them i think they're always there it's just that at that society and because of because of the personal power that this gives you, right, as an observer, as someone who is shifting, you know, the odds in your favor, that's very powerful and it's very threatening to the powers that be, to the authorities that exist in society, right? And especially if you think of the church, that a lot of this, uh, a lot of the magical practices that were essential to societies and communities and were parts of cultural identities, they were suppressed and squashed by the church. But they were squashed because they threatened the church's authority. And so I think that that began a long history of, of basically showing that magic wasn't real that you shouldn't believe in it, right? That it was the, <laughs> but if you do believe in it, it's the devil's arts, right? <laughs> you know, it's like it doesn't exist, but if it did exist, it would be the devil. And then when you hit science, I mean, think about, you know, Marconi and uh, Nikola Tesla that created the radios. Both of those guys believed that they received 
messages from a, an, a parallel universe, right? Another world. And these guys are like, they're, they're looking at electricity as an occult force and as a way to speak to the dead. So, But once it became a ubiquitous science, right, a science that's used by society at large, those narratives are always suppressed because all it can do is call into doubt the reality of that technology, which then becomes something that helps us succeed in our survival, right? So we don't anything that can help us survive as a species, right, and increase our power and consumption, we can't question it. And these are all things that would call call these things into question. And so we have to change those narratives. And again, it's this whole idea of folklore, right? And protecting your folklore and protecting your narratives. And I, I really do believe that that's the true history of how magic has been suppressed. It's been suppressed out of necessity to preserve the technologies that are essentially magic. Geez, that's a really good question, and it is divisive. I think initially the thing I think about is that when people are against it and people are aggressively against it, it comes from a space of fear, right? Like people are afraid of it. And the unfortunate fact is, is that I don't even think they're afraid of it because that's their deeply soulful belief system, but one that was force fed to them by the church in which they were brought up in. And I use that very, <laughs> very purposefully too. I say it purposefully. In some ways, I think it's, I think the answer can be both because maybe it's good that some people are afraid of it. Maybe we do need secret societies still. Maybe, you know, esoteric needs to remain a hidden club. My concern is that, you know, not all people have the best of intentions. So yeah, it's it's a divisive questions. In some way, I'm you know I'm very frustrated that there are people out there that think you know me drawing a sigil or somebody you know uh, lighting a candle is anything different from going and praying and receiving a communion at a service. There's no difference. There's absolutely no difference other than fear and judgment and ancestral hate. And that freaks me out. But yeah, on the other side, it's like, well, I also don't want them to come and break bread with me at the autumnal equinox or, <laughs> you know, or be able to cross that that veil or that path or that hedge to the other world. Um, but, but everybody, I guess, is here on their own agenda. And I guess that, you know, some people would say that we have fitted to some soul contracts and come here different purposes and different lessons to learn. So planet earth is really a big classroom, but I, I, I guess at the end of the day, I feel really bad for people that, that are full of hate and fear and judgment because that's really exhausting. Like how drained are you at the end of the day? Like, wow. I've, I have had a tarot reading. Yeah. That, that sounds like really, really entry level here. But I grew up in the satanic panic, and there's always been such a a paranoia that, you know, whatever it was was going to be something bad, that it's been very hard for me to get into any type of practice. But 
I mean, I would be open to things in the future. Probably something pagan, Celtic oriented, or some sort of fusion, possibly chaos magic. I don't necessarily think the satanic panic was the answer, but I do think that everybody just reaching out into the great beyond as they will with the idea that nothing bad can happen is a very dangerous idea. And I don't think that's paranoia. I think that that's been borne out a number of times. What comes to mind right off the top of my head is the process church of the final judgment. And you have people just kind of winging it, at least from what I've read, you know, and kind of making up their own system and then it all ending terribly. You know, I think these things are real and they're powerful, but that's why there is, that's why they're occult. That's why they're concealed. It's like, I believe in that people should have a right to have guns. But I don't think just any idiot should just, you know, be handed one and told, do what you will, you know. All of the people that are angry are people that I am uninterested in anyway, personally. So as a magic practitioner, I don't need them in my biz. So like, whatever. <laughs> is part of magic being able to tell that it's satanic panic? You know what I mean? Like, is that part of the magic? Like, maybe. We did almost all of our work on solstices and equinoxes, doing a vision quest for each, mostly really late at night with uh, a bonfire in one of the empty depressions on the, on the mountain. And we had a different theme at different times. So on this particular occasion, I believe it was autumn equinox 1982. We decided first we were going to do an invocation of Pan, and what better to use than Alistair uh, Crowley's hymn to Pan, the probably, arguably, the one really good poem that he ever wrote. Thrill with lissom lust of the light, O oh man, my man. Come careening out of the night of Pan, Eopan, Eopan, Eopan. Come over the sea from Sicily and from Arcady, roaming as Bacchus with fawns and pods, and nymphs and satyrs for thy gods on a milk-white ass. Come over the sea to me, to me. Come with Apollo in bridal dress, shepherdess and pythoness. Come with Artemis silken shod, and wash thy white thigh, beautiful god, in the moon of the woods on the marble mount. The dimpled dawn of the amber fount dipped the purple of passionate prayer in the crimson shrine, the scarlet snare, the soul that startles in eyes of blue to watch thy wantonness weeping through. The tangled grove, the gnarled bowl of the living tree that is spirit and soul and body and brain. Come over the sea, Eopan, Eopan. Devil of God to me, to me, my man, my man. Come with trumpets sounding shrill over the hill. Come with drums low muttering from the spring. Come with flute and come with pipe. Am I not ripe? I who wait and writhe and wrestle with air that hath no bow to nestle. My body weary of empty clasp. 
strong as a lion and sharp as an asp. Come, oh come. I am numb with the lonely lust of devildom. Thrust the sword through the galling fetter. All devourer, all begetter. Give me the sign of the open eye and the token erect of thorny thigh and the word of madness and mystery, O Pan, Eopan, 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 Pan, Pan. I am a man. Do as thou wilt as a great god can. O Pan, Eopan, Eopan, Eopan. I am awake in the grip of the snake. The eagle slashes with beak and claw. The gods withdraw. The great beasts come, Eopan, I am born to death on the horn of the unicorn. I am Pan, Eopan, Eopan, Pan, Pan. I am thy mate, I am thy man. Goat of thy flock, I am gold, I am God. Flesh to thy bone, flower to thy rod. With hoofs of steel I race on the rocks through solstice stubborn to equinox. And I rave and I rape and I rip and I rend, everlasting, world without end. Mannequin, maiden, maned man, in the might of Pan, Eopan, Eopan, Pan, Pan, Eopan. I was going to countercharge that with the charge of the star goddess, which I think was written by Freder Akkad. There was a guy, his name was Ken King. And uh, he was the one who did the, the invocation of Pan. And he was terrific. I mean, it was so good. There's no way I could even reproduce. Yo, Pan. Yo, Pan. We were all in rapt attention. And then I went, <clears throat> him to the star goddess. The star goddesses. And uh, it was, how shall I put it? I'm a pretty good orator. But it was lame. And I thought at the time, I didn't say anything because we were on our way out to the mountain. I didn't want to, you know, frame things because vision quest is vision quest. But I thought this is unbalanced. And any, if I know anything about magical practice, it is do things in balance or you uh, risk things going horribly wrong, especially at midnight on Arabia Mountain, which had gotten us labeled as Satanists, none of us were. The locals would see the bonfires at solstices and equinoxes, and they would say, the Satanists go out there on the mountain that was only known as a makeout spot to the local communities. So we climbed the mountain together. Some of the guys, well, some of the people, because one girl, five guys, I think it was, built a bonfire. And then, as per custom, we were each supposed to go off and do our own vision quest. Well, I went off and did my vision quest, and it was like all vision quests. There's something to be said for it, but it was nothing that I should uh, write home or tell the rapt attention of the people listening to paranormal patio, I just laid down in a little copse of woods, and I fell through a door, a big rectangular white door, and as usual, when I get really close to the occult, I panicked, so I was immediately back where I was, and I went back up to the fire, and other people were dancing around the fire, or, or 
vision questing each other, you know. And I noticed that one person, the smallest guy, younger brother of uh, Bishop Oscar Sampson Orion of sainted memory. Anyway, it was his brother missing. So I decided to go off into the dark, and it is pitch dark. I went off into the thick Stygian darkness and wandered around, and I came to this rock outcropping, of which there are several. There was a kind of a niche under the rock, and I could see something glowing. It looked like a cigarette, but none of these people smoked. It was that kind of glow, though, just for a reference. I look underneath, and the guy is there, and his eyes are glowing red. So first thing, I didn't have a flashlight with me, I don't think. It certainly wasn't turned on him if I did, and I doubt that I had a flashlight because I had been going up there for decades at that point. I didn't really need a flashlight under most circumstances. I get a closer look at him, and he's just sitting there just trying to bite his claws, not hands, claws. And I said, uh, hey, uh, age... Are you all right? And he looked at me with those glowing eyes, and then I noticed his ears had turned pointy. He did not have pointy ears, but he did that night. And replying to, are you all right? He said, I will quote as best I can. No, 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 is there anything I can do? No, 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 no. Would you like me to take you back up to the bonfire? Do you remember the bonfire? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So I took the goatfoot god uh, up to his brother, and I said, this is your problem. The guy was not the guy. And, by the way, he remembers nothing of this, or at least... The last time I talked to him, which has been some years, remembers nothing of what I'm saying, but doesn't discount it at all. So we all saw it. I mean, and somebody came up with the idea, well, maybe we should take him home. My instinct was, well, Mount Arabia has magical properties, and I'm sure it contributed to this transformation. But I'm also reasonably sure there's a certain amount of protectiveness about this. If we take him away from the mountain, he is likely to do some unpleasant things. The majority prevailed. We took him down the mountain, got in the car. I should mention that my then-girlfriend, this was her first time out there, not her last, but her first, and at some point, H started to get what Pan's reputation is all about and started to lunge at her. He's a little guy, and his frame didn't change in, you know, in stature or anything. But honestly, three grown men, one of whom was a bodybuilder and none of whom were anything less than fit, it took three, maybe four of us to restrain him from jumping on uh, girlfriend. And she was in the back seat with me, and uh, they were... 
holding him and he was, you know, going through all of these sort of things like if you've ever seen the, I'm sure you have the 1930s Lon Chaney Jr. version of Wolfman. He was going through the reverse role, you know, where he was starting to become human again. But he, the more human he became, the more violent he became. And I had this moment of thinking, let's toss him out of the car and let the cops take care of him. Because <laughs> he was grabbing for her and you know, they, one of the people holding him was the driver. So if he got over the seat at all, I would have to push back on him. And he kept snapping at his own hands if he couldn't bite anything else. He finally lunged so much that it didn't get away from from our control completely. But he got right in her face, looked at her and said, you're not even Denise. Make sure you join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash beyond the patio. You get a bonus episode featuring clips from all of our guests that you can't hear anywhere else. And on Saturday, we're watching Surface, my documentary that I've been working on for over two years. You got to join up to be there. Can't wait to see you.